And we're off with the latest and greatest. And we're off podcast Chris Sheeran of the S Network here in my office. Once again, back at it. I know it's been a minute. And I know I did the new head coach of the New York Liberty, Walt Hopkins, on Friday. And that was the first, hopefully, of many more to come. Uh, we're going to get this kicked off this week. Uh, a short week, Martin Luther King Day yesterday. Uh, but an explanation to a lot of the people who listen to this on a regular basis, I, I, I truly believe that I owe you an explanation. Uh, November 16th, I uh, went out to Chicago with the Brooklyn Nets. Michael Grady had a great opportunity uh, to do sideline reporting for CBS football in his hometown of Indianapolis with the, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. I almost said Baltimore Colts. It's my age there, folks. Sorry for that. And the Nets needed someone to fill in for Michael, and uh, I needed to get on a flight and go to Chicago. And November 16th is my oldest daughter's birthday, so it was, family is very, very important to me. If you know me personally, you know how much family means to me. So November 16th, I really didn't want to go. Uh, I fought a little bit, to be completely honest, but when push comes to shove, uh, I was needed, I went. And there was a reason why I wanted to say that about fighting and not wanting to go and promising my daughter I'd be there for her birthday and then I couldn't fulfill that promise, which pretty much means the world to me. And it's, you know, what my father would have done for me. Now, having said that, November 16th was the day of the game. I flew out on the 15th. Uh, when I woke up the next morning, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, if anybody knows me, they know I don't sleep at hotels anywhere, anytime. And in Chicago, there is apparently a fire every five minutes in that city. Uh, the fire trucks did not stop at all, all night. But I, I rarely sleep in hotels anyway. It was a great hotel. Great hotel. Doesn't matter. The bed could be a cloud. I, I will not sleep. Uh, and the one person who always gave me the business about that was my dad. And when I quote unquote woke up, because I was pretty much up all night, it was 7 o'clock, went to the bathroom just to throw some water in my face, and my text messages go off. And it's my dad. How did you sleep? And of course, he was being the dad that I always remembered, giving me the business, joking around. He knows I didn't sleep. I have, I, I saved every text from that day. And, and my dad's been, he was sick for four years leading up to this day. But I knew he was okay if he was texting me. So all day long, he would check in and he would see how I was, if I got to the arena okay, if I did any interviews, if I got to the bus, if I got to the plane, what time was I going to land, uh, and call me when you get home. I'm not a quitter. I have all these texts. When the charter flight landed for the Nets at Newark Airport, uh, I had saw that my dad texted me one last time around 10.37. We landed a little after midnight. I guess it was like 10 after 12. And I saw that he had texted me, and I had my phone put away. I was binge-watching one of my shows on Amazon Prime. 
So I didn't see the text until we landed. I took my phone out of my pocket. I saw it. So I texted him back. And as soon as I hit send, my wife called me. Now, I had texted my wife, too, to let her know that I was home. And I thought she was calling just to see what time I'd be home. She was calling to tell me that my dad was being rushed back to the hospital. She's always the optimist, so she was telling me that everything would possibly be okay. This, would be, this was the third time he's had to be taken to the hospital. As I'm walking off the plane, I texted my mom because my mom and my brother were on their way behind the ambulance. I figured they'd be there already. It was, uh, I waited another 10, 15 minutes. I didn't want to bother them. And instead of my mother calling me back, it was my brother, and he told me he was gone at the house. So a lot of the passion, a lot of the feeling that I have for pretty much everything, but especially sports, ceased to exist for a while. And if you're listening to this and you've lost a parent, you know what I mean. When you're young, when you're kids, you have grandparents, you, you know, like when you get to a certain age, you just know they're not going to be here forever. But when you're a kid, you look at your parents, you think they're invincible at times. You think they're going to be here, but they're not. And he was sick for four years, like I said, but you can never prepare yourself properly for when that call comes. And I, I truly believe in the universe putting you in places where you should be. And Michael Grady getting that opportunity that weekend and, and, and myself having to fill in for him, that all happened for a reason. I fought and fought and fought because I didn't want to leave my daughter on her birthday. However, if I wasn't in Chicago with the Nets, I wouldn't have been at Newark Airport. I wouldn't have had a car service ready to take me back home, but instead took me to the hospital. And my driver, who had just lost his father three months ago, got me to the hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey, in 30 minutes. And I didn't have any cash on me, so I told him I was going to send him a tip via PayPal. This driver was, I, I can't even describe, he did not accept the tip. I sent it to him and he didn't accept it. He told me not to do it. I still did it anyway because if it wasn't for him, I would have never got there. I wouldn't have been with my mother or my brothers in pretty much the worst moment of my life. Finding out that I wasn't going to be able to talk to my dad anymore. Every time I do a show, I would get in my car to go home, didn't matter what time it was. Either my phone would ring or I would call him and he would break down the job I did. If I wanted to hear the truth, I talked to my father. He didn't pull any punches. That's not the way he was. 
I, I was just telling somebody here at work, you know, you have a baseball manager who has to adjust, especially nowadays with the player-friendly managers that are, I guess are needed. My dad would not be in the touchy-feely player-manager status. He's, he was the type that was my way or the highway type guy. You adjust to me. I'm not adjusting to you. But the way he did it, he pushed you. He didn't want you to ever think that you were the best at something. He always wanted you to feel like there was room to improve. There's room to learn. There's room to grow. And to me, that's the best way you could parent. Give credit, which he did, but say there's room to improve. There's always room to improve yourself. But I talked to him almost every day, whether it was text, whether it was a phone call. And it, it's just so difficult. And I know one of my friends just lost his dad, too. And all this stuff happening in the sports world, especially in my father's sports world, he played baseball. He was on a semi-pro all-African-American baseball team. The shortstop on this squad was a 16-year-old Drew Pearson, who, by the way, should be in the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, that is. And I, I've heard his teammates, some who have passed, some who have not, my mother's brothers, my Uncle Mickey who passed away. We had a rotten 2019. I lost my Uncle Mickey, I lost my Aunt Rose, and I lost my dad. And my Uncle Mickey, he, the guy never pulled any punches. He was a huge Yankee fan, huge. And he told me, I don't care who tells you anything, your father was the best catcher I ever saw. So that's saying something. And, and the teammates on the all-African-American semi-pro team, which my dad was scouted by the Yankees, Mets, Cardinals, and Braves. We have the letters to prove it. And he had a tryout with the Yankees. And I just found this out. His brother, my Uncle Jim, told me, I can't remember, like it all just melds together. I don't know if it was the wake or the funeral, but the way I remember the story is he played football at Lafayette. He had pretty much a free ride to Lafayette College to play football on scholarship. And his first year, his freshman year, he broke his ankle. They were going to take away his scholarship. And he missed my mother. He was too far away from my mother. So after Lafayette didn't work out, the Yankees called him down uh, to try out. My mother and my father were on vacation in Wildwood, New Jersey, and um, they said, come to the stadium, we want to take a look. So he broke his ankle in three places in Lafayette. He still couldn't really walk or run that well. And the original story from which I knew my entire life was that uh, he hit the you-know-what out of the ball, hit a home run over the old reserve scoreboard at the old stadium, but couldn't run a lick, so the Yankees weren't interested. My uncle tells a different story, and my dad never told us this. He had just gotten married to my mother. He had just become a father for the first time. The Yankees wanted to send him to Florida, to minor leagues. And he didn't want to leave my mother. 
So my dad had an opportunity to be in the Yankee system. He just didn't want it because he knew he had priorities in New Jersey. That's the type of guy he was. And that's where my love of sports comes from. And that's especially where my love of baseball comes from is my dad. And, you know, this has taken me so long because there were times, weeks, the first couple of months, I couldn't really speak without losing it. And I didn't want to do a podcast where I was sitting here and I was basically losing it every five seconds. I, I, I can't do that. But I brought up the fact that, you know, so much has happened in the circle of where my father and I would have these conversations. Think about it. Garrett Cole signs with the Yankees. And my dad, like, always said to me, even especially after they picked up Stanton, I was, like, ecstatic when they got Stanton. And my father was like, they don't need him. They need pitching. No World Series, no World Series, no World Series. What did the Yankees do? They went out and signed arguably the best pitcher in the game in Garrett Cole to the biggest contract for a starting pitcher. And it's just natural to reach for my cell phone and try to call him, but I couldn't. And the cheating, oh my God. I, if my father was still with us, he'd be on this podcast talking to me about this cheating thing, especially, you know, there's, there's nothing to substantiate it. Baseball says it investigated but couldn't find anything about these buzzers. My goodness. But the Astros, the Red Sox, Corey getting fired, Beltron getting fired before he manages a single game. I, it, it, it hurts. And, and what my, my buddy who lost his father just said, all this stuff is going on, it, it just doesn't matter. It didn't matter at the time. But if, if our dads were around... You know, we'd still have that same passion, that same adrenaline, that burst of adrenaline when something like this happens. I'm starting to get it back. It's taken me a while. And nothing reminded me more of my father and, and what he would have to say about something than the Joe Judge press conference with the Giants. I mean, this guy oozes my father. I guess the kids call it drip now. But Joe Judge's drip was extremely, or is extremely, like my dad's drip was. No nonsense, do your job, focus on the good, fix the bad. Jason Garrett gets fired by the Cowboys. He's the Giants offensive coordinator. These are all stories that I would love to just sit in the back room with my dad and have conversations on all of this stuff. Everybody out there is listening to this who, who has lost a parent, who has lost a wife, who has lost a husband and had passion for something that you, you talked about. Think about my mother, 51 years. He, he passed, what is it? Uh, November, so two months, two months before my parents are going to be married, 52 years. 52 years. That's saying something. 
my love and passion of sports stems from not only my grandparents who took me to Yankee games starting when I was four or five years old. It continued with my father. He, you know, I can remember. I'm looking at the picture right now. I, I got to put on a canvas. In 2008, my brother and I played on a over 18 baseball team. And we started playing together in 2001, I want to say, or 2002. So six years in, our third team, one that we created uh, with guys from the league that we played in that we thought would fill out a championship team roster, we got everybody on board. Uh, 2007, we lost out in the playoffs. In 2008, we went all the way we won it. And down at third base, in full uniform, was our Don Zimmer, and that was my dad. There are just so many stories. One, I'll just throw one at you, and, and this was a constant. If I was pitching, I'd always hear from the dugout, bend and finish. That's, that's all he, bend and finish, throw strikes. If he was in the third base coach's box and my brother or I, or anyone on the team really, had a 2-0 and o count, if we worked to count to 2-0, and o, he, we would step out of the box, we would look down at my dad, and he would look at us and point at us to make sure he was being demonstrative enough for us to have it rattle around in our brain and stay in our brain Yours, not his, meaning your pitch, not his pitch. And that 2-0 pitch would always be in the dirt, high, outside. And what did we do? We swung at it because it was 2-0. and We were geeked up to swing at anything, and we did. And you looked down at the third base coach's box. You didn't see my dad's face anymore. You saw his number on the back of his jersey and his hands going up in the air like, I just told you, your pitch, not his. So spring training's right around the corner, and it, it's going to be tough. Baseball this year is going to be tough. Doing shows, having conversations with people here at work and not being able to share them with him, it, it's tough. You know, I find myself, and I have a lot of good friends, thank God, that have helped me start to lift the fog of losing pretty much my hero. And... Uh, I wrote his eulogy, and, and as a tribute to my dad, I, I want to share this with everybody who listens to this podcast. And there's a lot of you out there, and I, I just want to make sure everybody has an idea of what my father was like. He was born in Ashland, Pennsylvania. He moved to Spotswood, New Jersey, just before he went to kindergarten. When he did go to kindergarten, the school didn't think he was attending to the point where they had to reach out to my grandparents and they said, William hasn't been coming to school. His teacher would do roll call every morning and ask if William Sheeran was present. There would be no response. If you're wondering why, it's because he only answered to Bill. After informing his teacher of this, his attendance started to get markedly better. Dad was always about family first, much like me. An example of that came early on in life. According to his brother, Jim, Bill got detention in sixth grade, and while he was in the classroom waiting for a teacher to come in, Jim was outside and told Bill he was going home. My Uncle Jim was a pain in the you-know-what. Now, my dad's responsibility was walking 
his younger brother home every day. So before the teacher came into the room, Bill took his books that were bound together with a leather strap back then. That was the backpack of choice. He climbed out of the window, walked Jim home, and the entire walk from the Appleby School in Spotswood to their house, my dad was anxiety-ridden, saying to Jim, why couldn't you just wait? Because my dad knew he was going to get in trouble. Now, when my grandfather got home, he asked my father if there was something he needed to tell him. Again, according to Jim, my father couldn't lie. He told him he skipped attention, and my grandfather asked him why. And my dad replied, Jim is going to walk home alone, and it's my responsibility to make sure he gets home safe. My dad went unscathed. My uncle got punished. But at a very young age, my father displayed his selfless side. His loved ones and the ones he cared for came before him, a trait that would remain with him for his entire life and be the cornerstone of his soul. Remember the Yankee story. Now, my dad was an athlete. Not only baseball, uh, and a lot of people always wax poetic about his excellence on the football field as a center, but even more so when he put the tools of ignorance on and got behind the plate and was a catcher on the baseball field. Besides being a gifted athlete, he was also quite the jokester. He was voted the funniest person in his class. There aren't too many people sitting here today that didn't sit next to him at one time and laugh so hard they almost needed medical attention. Remember, this was for church. We'll delve into some more of his propensity of being a court jester in just a bit. But first, back to his athletic career. Most of you know he was severely injured in high school football, continued to play through that injury. Turns out he broke a rib and the rib punctured his kidney. He was told it was a bruise, and according to my mom and my uncle, he not only finished the game but played at least one or two more before he went to the hospital and missed almost two weeks of school. And he had problems with that, by the way, until the day he passed. It's that story that instilled the competitive nature of his three sons, but they didn't need the story. It's in their DNA. His oldest son, Bill, once played a game at New Brunswick High School with a gash in his chin that required stitches that he didn't get until the next day. There was blood all over his jersey. Uh, we were in the stands and thought someone stabbed him in the chest during the game. He stayed in the game, gutted it out. Michael recently caught an entire game in his baseball league with a torn bicep tendon. Not only did he catch with one arm, he hit the game-winning triple with one arm. Michael was also a very prolific football player. All five foot two, 120 pounds of yours truly, on the other hand, was used as a blocking dummy and decided football wasn't for him after his freshman year. However, his love affair with baseball is a direct result of his relationship with his father. It's why I still play today. The smell of the glove, the crack of the bat, and the popping sound of the catcher's mitt are all synonymous with my dad. Now the love story. My mom the love of my dad's life, and the only woman he ever loved, met at South River High School. They didn't start dating until the middle of his senior year. Bill never asked anyone out. He never had the courage. Carol used a brother, Sal, as a go-between to gauge his interest and help him build up the confidence to ask her out. Carol went to all the football games, had a huge crush on him. She said he was just such a good person. After some time, he asked her to the Thanksgiving Day dance. Sounds a lot like Back to the Future, doesn't it? They asked her, uh, he asked her to the prom, and as Carol says, after that it was over in a good way. She knew in her heart that somehow, some way, she was going to marry him. Don't ask me how she said, she just knew. She went to every football game and said his pants always fell down in the back, and she would tell Sal to pick up his pants. When Bill suffered that injury that we talked about earlier, it was Carol who got a card and had all the kids sign it and take it to him in the hospital. 
After high school, my dad received a full scholarship to play football at Delaware, but he decided to take a partial scholarship, as we mentioned, to play for Lafayette. They made freshmen wear beanies on their heads on campus. You'll never guess, but a certain freshman refused to wear it. Unfortunately, in the middle of his freshman year, he broke his ankle. He lost his scholarship, and he moved back home. With his athletic career over, or in the rearview mirror, it appeared, he asked his sweetheart to marry him. One night in Spotswood in 1966, after having dinner with Bill and his parents around Christmas time, he handed Carol a present. It was a green wallet. Carol admired the gift, but didn't inspect it. Everyone at the table asked, don't you want to open it up? She obliged and opened up the change purse to find a ring. Carol couldn't wait to get back to her house in South River and show everyone the ring and tell everyone they were engaged. Sports would come calling again. As we mentioned earlier, Bill played on that semi-pro African-American baseball team, which laid, uh, would um, lead to his getting scouted by the Cardinals, Mets, Braves, and Yankees. And the story I told you earlier. My mom and dad got married uh, back in 1968. Bill, their first son, was born in that same year. I followed in 73. And Michael threw a surprise party in 1982. Um, uh, my dad was a catcher, and he probably would admit that was the best curveball he ever saw. When Billy was born, Bill wanted to better himself, so while he was working at the post office as a mailman, he was, always, he was also going to night school for computers, and when he passed his course with flying colors, he got an interview at the Geophysics Fluids and Dynamics Laboratory with the federal government in the Department of Commerce. He was at GFDL for 45 years. My mom has a big family, needless to say, there have been countless get-togethers and weddings that my dad attended and his brother-in-law, Chich, Frank, knows before the reception or any party was over, he was getting sneak attacked with a kiss on the lips. Also, my dad had a cyst on his lower back when he was young, which led to surgery and a scar, a pretty famous scar, which Bill was more than happy to show you at any time. For church, as, as I said, this was for church. For church, let's just say the cyst was on his lower back, right above his rear end, and the scar traveled due south right along the entire fault line. Whether it was your new girlfriend, your spouse, your neighbor, you name it, he wore it like a badge of honor and he couldn't wait to show it. One story in particular that came to my mom's mind was showing everyone at the Knights of Columbus Hall in Spotswood at my Uncle Jim and my Aunt Karen's engagement party. He was always just trying to make everyone laugh. His prowess on the baseball field made him one of the best pitchers in modified softball. Picture the spin rates and pitchers who rule in Major League Baseball today and just imagine someone pitching a softball slingshot style and having the same command and filthy stuff. For those who aren't familiar with baseball terminology, filthy stuff is nothing dirty. It just means he could really pitch. Jim said he had a fastball, knuckleball, and changeup, and no one knew how to approach him when they got in the batter's box, evidenced by his team, the Royals, seven straight championships. He hated losing and believed when you went between the lines on any field of play, friendships ended until the last out or the final whistle. My uncle tells the story of his lower back not being in the best of shape towards the end of his playing days and the opposing team saw him stretching and laying on the bench between innings in the title game. They made a huge mistake of screaming over saying, we got them, look, he's done. Well, my dad uttered a choice phrase to my uncle, which is fine in the dugout, but not so much in church, went out, finished the game, and led his team to another title. He never wanted to poke dad. It was like poking the bear. When we were children, we have many heroes. Our first hero, though, is the one that lasts a lifetime, our father. 
Superheroes come and go. Athletes come and go. The man that straightens you up makes you fly right. The man that instills your core values and principles. The man with the superpower of a look that could make you scatter like cockroaches when a light goes on if he was mad. But at the same time, be able to make you feel more loved and appreciated than anything on the planet. That's the delicate balance of being a good father. And my dad was the definition of just that. Superman was faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and he was able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Bill was deceptively fast. He was as powerful as a locomotive, but listen, vertical leaps are not a Sharon strong suit. He may not have been able to leap literally, but if any one of his children or anyone in his family or friends needed him, he always leapt at the chance to be their superhero. That's the man that his three boys will always push their chest out and be proud to say, that was my father. As for his beloved wife, my mother, they spent over a half a century together, as mentioned, 51 years, nearly 52. January, as we said, would have been their 52nd year bonded together by that love that they forged their senior year of high school. They did everything for one another, but above all, they did everything in their power to give their children the best life possible. It was their kids over everything else. It goes back to when Bill was that sixth grade kid who skipped attention to protect his younger brother. His selflessness shined through then, and it continued to be a beacon the rest of his life. He was like a lighthouse bringing ships safely home. His guiding light only became brighter when he formed his bond with my mom. The bond they made was unbreakable. It was tested at times, as everyone surely experiences, but they always were able to find common ground. It sounds cliche, but in this case, it's 100% accurate. Bill wasn't only Carol's husband. He was her best friend. She and everyone today will miss him dearly, but his spirit and memory will live on in all of us and for generations to come. I thank you for letting me share this with you. I thank you for listening, and I thank you for understanding that I've been away from the microphone for a couple of months because it's just been extremely difficult. Um, my dad was everything to me and I'm lost, still lost. The fog, as I just told Jack Curry here in our offices, the fog, the thick fog does eventually start to lift but the fog always remains. My life will never be the same without that guiding light my conscious, the guy who picked me up whenever I got knocked down, dusted me off, smacked me on the rear end, and said, get back in the game. Dad, I'll miss you always. Thanks for listening.